Show. Cave through dripping. Cave through dripping. Cave through dripping. That was on my wrist they dripping with eyes. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me. Shirtless Tom behind the glass. Tell your kids. Tell your wife. We're doing radio up in here. It's finally here, people. College football week one. None of this week zero BS. The fighting Beers, Nears, Will Greers are going tomorrow at 3.30. Pitt's going to lose to Albany. Joining us now from FatJackSports.com, as he will be every Friday throughout the football season, is Fat Jack. Fat Jack, how you doing today? What's up, Adam? I'm swamped right now, very busy, getting ready for uh, week one. We're very excited about the, the season here, finally underway. Tired of the preseason, although it's, we've turned a little bit of a profit, a very nice profit. Heading into uh, the season, you know, I used to be the guy that said, if you're betting on the preseason, you have a gambling problem. But um, <laughs> some other high-end players convinced me there are some trends that are pretty straightforward, and they're right. I mean, over the last four or five years, we've made a little bit of money in the preseason. So if you go to FatJackSports.com, everybody gets exactly the same picks when you sign up for my service. So uh, when you sign up, you get them texts, you get them email, you get them on the website. Everybody gets the same ones. I play those games myself, and then those are posted graded and documented right there on the website so if you look under 2018 2019 football selections they're right there from the whole preseason and through last week's games and you'll see we uh we won some money in the preseason and are ready for this weekend's game so very excited to get some people signed up in the pittsburgh area and start them winning some cash as uh gambling is starting to become legal in the state of pennsylvania FatJackSports.com, FatJack joining us here on the Crowley Show. As for this weekend's games, FatJack, which ones have tickled your fancy? You know, there's a bunch of them. Rule number one in week one, and this changes obviously as you go through the year, but rule number one, what people need to understand, is that nobody knows anything about most of these teams. Yeah. And that's the reality, and that's a, that's a good thing and a bad thing. But we saw that in week zero. Colorado State opens the 14-point favorite up to 17 against Hawaii. Hawaii is supposed to be caring about Hurricane Lane, and they basically take Colorado State behind the woodshed and beat them by almost two touchdowns. So those type of things won't happen as much in week eight as they will in week zero, week one. So that happens because you have scholarship limitations, JUCO transfers, and a lot of other things going on. So the good news is, though, the line setters at William and Hill and MGM and all these people that you're going to become a lot more familiar with in the state of Pennsylvania, they don't know anything either. They're looking at perception of the general public when they set these lines. So the key is to finding games that the perception versus the reality is way off. Let's look at Maryland and Texas. All right, Texas last year. It loses by uh, over 10 points. Now they're going on the road to a Maryland team that has a tragedy happen over the summer. They look totally lost. they got coaching staff issues. But what happens in games like this, when you, when you kick the ball off and you start playing football, all of that goes out the window. The talent that's on the field wins out in spots like this. And the idea that Texas is all of a sudden three-and-a-half touchdowns better, even with Ellinger starting and them being more stable at quarterback, three-and-a-half touchdowns better than they were last year at home is ridiculous. That's mm. not the case. So what's going to and, – and, and, frankly, Texas will go into this game. The big 
problem with Ellinger last year where he had catastrophic turnovers at absolutely the wrong time, specifically on the road. UCLA comes to mind, fumbles it on the two-yard line going in, has another big turnover in the game. They lose because of spots like that. I promise you, Herman will be guarding against that. So they're going to have a real conservative game plan. So if you're looking for a spot simply based on strategy and game plan Herman will have and perception versus reality, look for Maryland to keep that game closer than what the general public believes because everybody likes to hype up Texas and the big uh, uh, you know, longhorn machine. And also, game plan in Texas will be let's not do anything stupid, let this thing get out of hand on the road, and let our talent take over. Also, Texas plays better defense, so the unders looks like a good bet as well. So that's just an example of the perception versus reality. But look for Maryland to cover the number and the game to go under. Fat Jack, shirtless Tom here. You know, tomorrow's really the big day for college football, but we got some games tonight. I'm going to throw out three picks for you, okay, for the games tonight. Try to get some bankroll going into the weekend. Tell me if I'm crazy or if I'm spot on. Give me San Diego State in the points against Stanford. Give me Western Michigan in the points against Syracuse. And give me Utah State in the points against Michigan State. All right, who's the starting quarterback for Western Michigan? You know anything about them? I know nothing about them. But I, <laughs> I, know, I know that Syracuse are frauds, Fat Jack. I know All this right. from years of following Pitt football in the ACC. All right, who's the quarterback for Syracuse? Patch, it doesn't matter to me at all. Put your shirt back on, do some crunches, and sign up for the service, shirtless Tom. I love you, but come on, brother. I'll, listen, I'm just playing, obviously, but you're kind of proving my point. You're right. Syracuse is a little bit of a fraud. Under the total in that game would be my best play, uh, shirtless Tom, because I, I think what you're, what you're getting to is that Syracuse is a fraud because they're not, their offense is bad. Exactly. And so... And so they're not going to play well offensively. Western Michigan typically has a good offense, but they're retur- they have to replace a whole bunch of starters on both sides of the ball. I would stay away from that. I think that one of the keys to making money in week one is knowing who to stay away from as, as well as who to, who to play. Uh, the Utah State, Michigan State's an interesting deal. Here's the deal. Utah State got blown out playing a Big Ten team last year, but they bring a freshman quarterback across the country against Michigan State. There are some sharp money that, that agrees with you on that. Look at the number on that. It opens 25. It's down to 23.5, yet 81% of the general public money is on Michigan State. Vegas knows what money knows what they're talking about and what money doesn't. The sharper money's on Utah State there. I know a couple of guys that have played 50K on uh, Utah State. They believe the freshman quarterback knows what he's doing. He'll be able to maintain some things there and keep the game with inside the big number. So they bet money on Utah State. That's brought that number down, even though the majority of the money's going on Michigan State. Uh, your third game was San Diego State-Stanford. No opinion on the side because I – I don't know anything about San Diego. I don't know enough about San Diego State. I play 20K a game, so if I, I'm not just building. I'm not throwing money out there. That's too much. I can buy a small import with no air with that, so I'm not going to just throw it out on San Diego State. I do like that total under. What ends up happening with San Diego State, they like to run it. They like to grind it out. Their front four is very good, and so they're going to try to keep the game close, win time of possession, convert third downs, ugly up the game, and Stanford's not an offensive juggernaut. They've never been the greatest show on turf or anything like that, so they're going to try to also not make mistakes. There's a reason why that game's only 14, 13 and a half, so look for the game to go under the 49 points. Uh, the general public doesn't know what they're talking about on it, so it's 50-50, but look for that game to go under. So I don't know if I've been much help, and I certainly shouldn't be giving you information on crunches either. I'm as fat as an ox, but I will tell you, those, those three <laughs> – I mean, hopefully some good information there. Fat Jack of FatJackSports.com joining us here on the Crowley Show. 96% of gamblers 
lose every year on a yearly basis. You want to be part of the 4%, go to FatJackSports.com. You told us last week to be weary of Michigan for the over-under win total. What do you think about them playing against Notre Dame in the big house? Well, the biggest thing, I think there's been a little amnesia since last year with a couple of things. Number one is Alabama's quarterback situation, although – one of the guys I go on with who knows a lot, we had an argument for half of our segment today, which is ridiculous. But uh, the, the freshman quarterback had a great half of football. But I could have an eagle in a round of golf. Doesn't mean I'm going to shoot 63. So I'm not sure they're on their way to the national championship. But number two, how many times does a five-loss team in college football play for a national championship the next year? If, if Michigan wins 11 games, they're going to be right there in the mix. So I think that they're absolutely – um, probably going to lose tomorrow, and I don't. I, you can go from five to two or five to three, but you rarely go from five to one. And this quarterback they've got—he was a turnover machine before he got up there. So I don't think just because you know they're a little more stable at quarterback there, but he's going to have to do, do something he has not done before, which is not turn the ball over. So I actually like Notre Dame in that game. It's another better game to watch than it is to bet on. I think. Um, and there are some sharps also on Notre Dame in that spot. So if you're going to play it, I would lean toward Notre Dame, but probably a better game. There's better spots to make money for sure. We haven't had a losing September in over a decade, and part of it is knowing who to stay away from in week one. Life's a lot more comfortable when you're winning early in the year. When you're trying to play catch-up, that's when you try to find the UTEP-Hawaii game to try to get even and then try to make up on Sunday, which is very difficult for people. When you're, when you're winning early – you don't have to worry about those things. So trying to win early is really, really key. It's like fighting Mike Tyson. You don't go in there and just start swinging. Next thing you know, you're going to be looking up at the light. So you got to be careful here early in the season. And I don't know that Notre Dame, Michigan is probably where you want to jump out there this weekend. Fat Jack, West Virginia's got a lot of returning talent on their team, including Will Greer, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy this year. Uh, but they're playing Tennessee, who's got a bunch of talent, albeit they didn't have a good year at all last year. Spreads 10 points in that game, with West Virginia being the favorite. Uh, I'm a big homer and a huge West Virginia fan, but I think I would stay away from that game if I were a better. That's a, see, that's amazing. You, I tell you what, that's the most conservative breakdown of that game, Adam, I've heard all day long. Everybody loves West Virginia. Oh, no. I'm, I know, and I'm telling you, I, I'm the guy... One of the biggest principles in sports gambling is if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. And I can't think of any reason in the world to play Tennessee. The only people that bet Tennessee in this spot, Adam, there are fat hillbillies that drink moonshine and play the banjo and basically sit over there and they're wearing orange overalls and, and have orange hair. I mean, I can't think of anybody who plays Tennessee in this spot. West Virginia is absolutely the class of the game. They have their act together. They have three All-Americans. Defensively, they're young, obviously. They need to do that. But, but Tennessee has a new coach. They're in disarray. They lost a million games last year. I mean, how do you play them? They're pretty good up front on defense. But how does that, how does that equate against West Virginia's offense? So if you look at, at the breakdown of the game, I don't know how in the world anybody lines up with their money. Now, we're not just talking about from a fan. You're looking at it from a fan standpoint. I'm talking about taking your hard-earned cash and yeah. going up and say, give me the balls. I'll take them. Sign me up for that. I, I don't know how you do that. This does not look like a spot where anybody can line up and play Tennessee, yet it's only a 9- to 10-point number. So I worry about it if I'm a 
um, a West Virginia fan from that aspect because I don't know who plays them unless you're drunk on moonshine and wearing orange overalls. Um, and that Vegas doesn't typically set lines to give money away. But from a, from a win-loss standpoint, West Virginia has not been getting a lot of love. And we see these, these type of teams every year that are undervalued. They cover early in the year, and then Vegas catches up. And I kind of think West Virginia might be that. So I think they win. I don't see any way they lose. It wouldn't surprise me, though, if it's a little closer than the number. So I think you might have to earn it, but there's no way in heck I'm going to play Tennessee. All right, my mortgage is going down on West Virginia. Fat Jack joining us from FatJackSports.com here uh, on the Crowley Show. Uh, any other games that you're looking forward to this weekend? Any other any other season totals that we haven't covered? Yeah, there are. I mean, I'll tell you, my clients get the best ones, and I try to ne- – I'll never talk about those voluntarily. If you ask me about them, I'll mention them, but I won't tell you which ones they are because what happens is I mention them, and if I bring them up, then I will have clients text me an email and say, hey, why am I paying for these tickets? You're getting for free. But – if you bring them up, then I've gotten away with talking about them. But we, um, but I'll tell you a couple more free ones over the over the weekend. Um, which Washington Auburn, uh, you know Peterson has this is his fifth year. He has his full recruiting class in right now. These are all of his kids. If there is a team that's equipped to go from the West Coast to, to the middle of the country and compete with an SEC team, it's Washington. And it's this year. Um, you're going to get value every time you look at an inferior conference like the Pac-12 playing an SEC team. You're going to get value in that team, and this is that spot. So you're getting two and a half, two two and a half points simply because of that. SEC versus Pac-12. Don't be surprised Washington goes and gets it done here. He's got his kids. He's a good coach, and he's going uh, going to the middle of the country. It's going to be. T- a road game, really. It's not, but it really is because Washington won't travel that well. Washington probably pulls the upset there. Again, it's not a, a release, but I absolutely think that's probably going to happen. The other one, a lot of the sharps are on, but I'm not going to release the side, probably release the total, is Texas Tech playing Old Miss. That's another team that um, Texas Tech, their quarterback, is a not one of those fun-and-gun guys that Kingsbury typically gets. He's more of a prototypical uh, type quarterback, but their defense is a lot better than it's been in the past. And he's basically all but hired a realtor down there. He's been holding on his job for about three years. And if he does not win this game, he's in trouble because they've got to win more than six games and be competitive in his other losses, or he's going to be shown the door. Ole Miss, these are both six win teams really need to get off to a good start. I think that he probably gets it done here. Kingsbury does with Texas Tech. And um, um, they actually are, are much more balanced than they've been in the past, especially on defense, a team that has not done very well defensively. Uh, they're going the right direction. They recruited well also here in the middle of the country. So look for Texas Tech to take care of business against Ole Miss. Fat Jack, really appreciate the time, man. Looking forward to doing it next week. Have a great opening weekend of college football, my friend. Absolutely. Everybody gets the same picks. Labor Day is here. Next week we'll have the NFL to talk about. Get signed up, and we're going to turn a profit. We've won t- 10 years in a row in September, and uh, we'll be talking about the games in detail next week. So FatJackSports.com, if you want to turn a profit this season, playing the games against the spread. Awesome stuff, man. Take care. There he goes. That's Fat Jack. FatJackSports.com, 96% of bettors lose on a yearly basis. Be part of the 4%. Go to FatJackSports.com. Tom, he crushed you there. I don't think he crushed me. He crushed you. Your no, face he, got he, all he, red. He, he you were definitely you. you were definitely upset about it a little bit. I'm right though. <laughs> You're not right. What we'll is see. Syracuse's quarterback's name? 
Like that matters. Like that. Can we be honest? Like that really freaking matters. Who Syracuse and Western Michigan's quarterback name is? Three games. Like he knows what the hell's going on. And Pat Jack asked one question. Done. I was so impressed (laughs) by the way Tom laid them out too. I thought, wow, Tom's really got this year. And yeah, uh, he he laid bankroll out. Like he sounded like he knew what the hell he was talking about. He went for tonight's games, the degenerate games. Yeah. And Fat Jack just smacked him in the face. Fat Jack's dropping 20K per game, man. Who's that quarterback? (laughs) Doesn't matter. It would have been something had you known the names of each of the quarterbacks. I think it's the odds are stacked against me more to know who's starting for Syracuse and Western Michigan than if I didn't know. (laughs) Well, let's let's do this for next week's segment because Fat Jack's going to join us at 5 o'clock every single Friday throughout the football season. I need you to ask questions about teams that you've memorized their quarterbacks' names. That way he can be stunned. Like off-the-wall teams, too. Like it's yes. Marshall versus Akron. And I'm just like, yeah, Chase LeHerring's back for Marshall this year. He's one of the best returning and just like pile on stats to him. Just make his jaw drop. Yeah, he ain't going to buy it. Tom's going to have total beef with Fat Jack by the time this is over. Yeah, you got him winning all this money. You guys know what I'm going to do next? What? First of all, it's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Right but, now? No. Later. In the next segment. Would you listen? My God, Fat Jack has you rattled. He does. Whew. He's got you rattled. Reel it in. Take a breath. I won't be able to breathe in the next segment because, you guys, since the fourth preseason game happened, I've got to come up with a totally new 53-man roster. Oh, no. I've done it. No. Dude, we're not we did doing it. I've done it yesterday, dude. I've done it. It no, wasn't yesterday. We, it was two days ago. Two days ago. We did it already. Come on. Things changed. No, you even did Is Josh it. Jobs on my 53-man roster? Find out to, next. You know. It's a Crowley show. The Adam Crowley show. Uh, we got to earn tomorrow. That's French. <laughs> That's yeah. your French. Yes. We, me, 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 woo, poo, poo. Very good French. I agree. That was excellent. So good. I could do Radko Gudis. The Flyers going to win. We are going to earn tomorrow. Adam Crowley. It's not even funny. On ESPN Pittsburgh. Thanks to Fat Jack. FatJackSports.com. Go sign up. Make some money. 96% of people lose at gambling on a yearly basis. Be part of the 4%. We got Alan Saunders coming up in 15 minutes here on the Crowley Show. We've got the great unsponsored football segment to get to here in a few minutes. So much going on on the Friday before the official kickoff of college football season. Alan Saunders will be previewing the Pitt Panthers. I think Pitt needs to schedule weaker. We spent a lot of time talking about Penn State and how they scheduled Temple for a home-and-home in 2026-2027 yesterday. And Pitt fans are blowing a gasket about it. They're saying Penn State's scared. And, okay, if you want to frame it like that, that's fine. Penn State is scared, but they're also prudent. They're also smart. To me, it makes sense not to play teams that can beat you in the non-conference schedule if you're a national championship contender. And if you do play teams that can beat you, play teams that can beat you that are really stanking good. West Virginia played Alabama a couple of years ago. They're playing Florida State in two years. I think that's important. Penn State just signed up for an Auburn home-and-home series. I think those make sense. You play in Auburn, you lose to them, you can still be in the national championship hunt. You play Pitt, you lose to them, and as we saw two years ago, if you lose again in conference, which is a difficult conference in a difficult side of the bracket, you ain't going to the championship. It ain't going to happen. So if I'm Pitt, 
I understand what the strategy has been. You bring in big-time schools. You bring in Oklahoma State. You bring in UCFs. I know they're going there this year. And you do that because you hope that it can boost your attendance. You hope that the non-conference schedule is good enough that people want to come see not just Pitt, but the team that Pitt is playing. I think the better approach for Pitt is just win a bunch of games. Play the races of the world. They just did. It was either last year or the year before they played Rice. Play them. Play Marshall. That makes sense to me. Play teams that you know that you can beat, and if you beat enough of them, you wind up having an inflated record. I keep bringing up this example, but Washington, and they're a better program than Pitt right now, and Peterson's one of the best coaches in the country. They played three terrible teams two years ago. They played Rutgers, they played Idaho, and they played some other crap school. And they wound up going to the playoff. How many games did they win in the regular season? 11? Okay, how many of those were legit? Eight. Baylor used to do it all the time, and they got effed because they lost a game the year that they should have been in the playoff. But they got three easy cupcake wins before they reached conference play. And people talked about what a great coach Art Bryles was. Alabama this year plays nobody in the non-conference schedule aside from Louisville, and Louisville's nothing. Louisville's okay. Louisville's not anywhere near as good as Alabama. Then they played two sisters of the poor schools, and they played Mercer at the end of last year. You can't tell me that you need to play a tough schedule. I think Pitt's got enough of a draw with the home games they could potentially have with the Miamis of the world, sometimes the Clemsons, the Notre Dames. Do that. And if you're not going to schedule teams that you can absolutely beat, schedule a rival like Penn State or Pitt, and they're trying to do that, or Penn State or West Virginia, pardon me, they're trying to do that, and they got West Virginia coming up on the schedule in the not-too-distant future. That's what you got to do, I think. It's my opinion that you want to get butts in the seats, and in order to do that, you got to win games. If Pitt plays three bad non-conference teams instead of two really good non-conference teams next year, or even this year, you're looking at maybe a nine-win football team. And the national perception of the program changes. If you finish 7-5 and five this year, what's that really matter? What's it matter? You finish nine and three. Even if you beat a couple of cupcakes, it's still nine and three. You had a shot at a tenth win. It's only happened once in like the last thirty-five years at Pitt. I'm all about scheduling weaker. I'll ask Alan Saunders about that coming up in twelve minutes here on the show. I am more interested in his thoughts on what Pitt is going to do though this year. Uh, their over/under win total is five and a half. I get it. They won five games last year. I don't know if I'd hammer that over, but I'd feel pretty darn good about it. I got them winning seven games. I think they're much improved over last year. If their schedule was a little bit easier, I think you'd look at an eight or nine win football team. But you got Notre Dame. You got Penn State. You got the national champions, UCF. It's tough. Tom, what time is it? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by to be determined. Woo! It's time again, Tom. Are you excited for the Steelers' 53-man roster breakdown? No, we're not doing this. What do you mean we're not, we're doing, not doing this? this Tom, again, I have really. to do it. I'm contractually obligated as somebody who works for the flagship home of the Pittsburgh Steelers to break down their 53-man well, roster. We got it. We did it last. We did it like two days ago. I know, Tom, but there was a fourth preseason game played, <sighs> and that changes everything. Changed. It changes everything. Uh, did Dobbs make it? No. So nothing changed. 
I've got six wide receivers. Woo! Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Justin Hunter, Darius Hayward Bay, and Ryan Switzer. Woo! What do you think about that, Tom? Spot on. Any bones to pick there, no? No, that's spot on. Six oh, wide receivers, baby. Yeah, six. Offensive linemen. Nine. Pouncey, Foster, DeCastro, Villanueva, Gilbert, Filer, Finney, Okorafor, and some other team's backup tackle. Woo! Couldn't agree more with that other team's backup tackle, man. That's astute analysis. What I really like about other team's backup tackle is he's got long arms and quick feet. And he's big for the position, too. But he's got a strong base. He can move people around with just his legs. Yes, the center of gravity for some other team's backup tackle is Out of this world. It's just outstanding. For tight end, this is a doozy here. Vance McDonald, Jesse James, and a big change from last night. Instead of Xavier Grimble, I have some other team's tight end. Woo! There's so much to love about some other team's tight end, too. He's fast. He runs the right routes. You know, he's more of a receiver than a tight end, but he can also block. You know what I've heard about some other team's backup tight end, Tom? It's that he's got a great catch radius and breakaway speed to attack teams up the seam. Good juice. My tight ends are Vance McDonald, Jesse James, and Kajust. I've got six defensive linemen, Cam Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Justin Hargrave, Tyson Alu-Alu, LT Walton, and Daniel McCullers. Any qualms? No. Outside linebacker, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree, Anthony Ciccolo, Ola Adani, and Keon Adams. Five? Five. You're only keeping five? I'm keeping five. Oh, no. I'm keeping five. Woo! Unless some other team's outside linebackers out there in the market... Well, then you got to take him. Because I mean, that guy, he's quick twitch. He's got a nose for the football. Array of pass rush moves. Can cover well both man and zone. High motor. Oh, my God. He's the best. He's a coach's wet dream. He's a coach's kid, in fact. Inside linebacker. Five. <gasps> John Bostic, Vince Williams. Tyler Matikavich, LJ Fort. And undrafted out of Florida State, he's Matthew Thomas. Have you thought about... Taking on another team's inside linebacker. I have thought about other teams' inside linebacker, but I've actually chosen to pass on him, and I want to get free agent inside linebacker. Woo! I know. I know. A guy who's already out there on the market, somebody who can run and cover, somebody who can play 4-3 under and 3-4, somebody who can take a tight end down the seam, sideline-to-sideline player, short tackler, and that is what free agent linebacker can add to the table. I've got nine defensive backs. Artie Burns, Joe Hayden, Mike Hilton, Cam Sutton, Morgan Burnett, Terrell Edmonds, Sean Davis, Brian Allen, <sighs> Cody Sensabaugh. That's it. No Marcus Allen. I think Cody Sensabaugh has a very good chance of being some other team's cornerback. But he doesn't check my boxes there. He very well might be traded. I think Marcus Allen's on the bubble. Good. He retired a long time ago, though, and he's running back, so that doesn't exactly fit. I've got three specialists. Chris Boswell. Cameron Candidate. And somebody else's punter. Woo! You know who that might be? Pat McAfee. What do you mean? I think I heard he's coming back. 
To the league? I think he said he's a free agent. It might be free agent in the media sense, but I know he's leaving Barstow. Yeah! He's, he, may he be coming home? Shane Le- Leckler just got released as well. Oh, I like Leckler. He's a legend. But I like somebody else's punter, though. He gets good hang time. He can perform the coffin corner. He can sit the ball inside the 20 with regularity. He doesn't rely on the coffin corner. No, he, he doesn't. Backspin on his he ball. doesn't. He's got that Aussie backspin. And that's my Steelers 53-man roster. Woo! That was the unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Woo! Great segment. What day is it, Tom? Today? Yesterday. It can't be a Friday, is it? Oh, my God. It's the Friday before the start of college football season. So that also means that it's a free movie Friday. The free movie Friday program with Adam Tickets is back. I didn't know it went away, but it's back. The Adam Tickets app lets you browse movie titles, buy tickets, invite friends, pre-order concessions, all from your phone, and you can skip the lines. Today, Adam Tickets wants to give you a chance at free movie tickets. Text them now. Text Berger to A-T-O-M-1. That's Berger to 28661 for your chance to win standard data and text message rates may apply. Coming up next, Alan Saunders covers pit football. He tells us what to expect starting tomorrow against Albany. It's a Crowley Show. Pitt, Albany, tomorrow at 3.30. West Virginia, Tennessee, tomorrow at 3.30. I have no idea what time the Penn State Akron, is it, game is tomorrow? It's always Akron. Always Akron? Always Akron. Always Akron. That's what I've heard every single week. I can't wait until September 8th when they play Akron at Heinz Field. Under the lights. Uh, It's going to be a hell of a game. College game day. First time ever going to an Akron game, I imagine. It has to be. Joining us now to discuss the state of the Pitt football program and to give some predictions for the upcoming season is our friend Alan Saunders. Alan, how you doing today, pal? Doing great. Doing great. Before we talk Pitt, I'm going to tell you. So I, I, I'm at my mom's house, and I told her, yeah, i got to go on the radio here. And she said, oh, whose show are you going on? I said, oh, Adam Crowley. And she said, that's a little guy. I said, yeah, yeah, Mom, that's it. So, you, so you're doing well in the 65 and over women demographic. That's great to hear. I didn't know we were doing well in the 65 and over women's demographic, but we should probably start gearing our show towards that. In fact, we should talk about wishbone offenses and such. How's that sound, Alan? Why isn't Pitt playing the power eye as often as they could be? They might actually do that this week, though, against Albany, right? I mean, they're not going to show anything. Yeah, it's going to be about 35 handoffs. That's probably what you're going to see this Saturday. And I caution Pitt fans, if they're trying to take this game against Albany and say, oh, the team struggled, they're not going to look good, who knows if they'll struggle or not. Last year against Youngstown State, it was a battle. I think it was Youngstown State at the beginning of the season. But Pitt never shows anything in in these games. And that's one of the reasons why they were able to, I think, vanquish Penn State a couple of years ago. Penn State had no idea what Matt Canada's offense was about to do to them, did it? No, I I don't think anybody did. And that's one of the advantages of of being able to pull off that kind of surprise. And I think last year you saw one of the disadvantages is that I don't think Pitt had a really good idea of what it was doing or what it had when they tried to do the same thing last year at State College. I think one of the big keys is having Sean Lawson and Kenny Pickett 
spending the entire offseason together as offensive coordinator and quarterback. I think it's the first time in almost a decade that Pitt has had a, a quarterback that started and the offensive coordinator coming back together. So I think that should kind of alleviate some of the concern that what happened last year will happen again as far as not showing anything in week one and then not having a great offensive performance in week two. Alan, what are the reasonable expectations for Kenny Pickett? Because I know people are hyped, and hell, I watched him last year. I don't want to like the guy. I don't want to like Pitt, but uh, I think he's absolutely got some ability and some upside, and I think he could be one of the better quarterbacks they've had around here in a while. I think Kenny Pickett has the talent to be the best quarterback in the ACC. But I think he's also a quarterback with one career start. And so the, you know, he's not going to be there week one. I'm not sure he's going to be there week two. I think there are going to be some growing pains uh, as he goes forward. But he's certainly one of the most talented pick quarterbacks in, you know, from, from a skill set perspective. He just fits so well with what they're trying to do. He's elusive in the pocket. He can make all the throws. He's a really smart kid, too. Um, and so I, I just think there's a lot to be excited about, and I think that's why you're seeing Pitt fans are, are very excited about him, but I, there are going to be some growing pains as he becomes the quarterback he's capable of becoming. What do you make of Pat Narduzzi saying, hey, we'll see you fans in Charlotte for the ACC championship game because we'll be there. You like it or no? Well, you know, it's kind of funny. The people that are around the team honestly didn't think much of it. It's something that he talks about all the time, um, that you know, they – close every practice session with an ACC champs uh, little chant, and he's been very open about that being uh, the goal of this team ever since he got here. I think one of the things that's kind of changed is I think now some of his, his players are starting to believe him. I think when, you've, when, you, when you get a new coach that comes in and it's a team that's gone 6-6 six and six four years in a row and he's talking about winning a championship, I, I'm sure there's some kind of disconnect there. Um, but I think this team over the last few years has seen they beat Penn State, kept them out of the college football playoff. They beat Clemson, who ended up winning the national championship. They beat Miami. You know, those, they've seen that they're capable of winning the games that are necessary to get to that point. They just need to put together a solid, consistent season uh, where they don't lose the bad teams. And, and that goal is reachable. And I think that's why it feels different right now, that there is some belief from the team, there's some belief from those around the program that well, maybe not this year, but that is something that Pitt is actively building towards and is within Pitt's reach. Alan Saunders joining us here on the Crowley Show. Is the strength of the Pitt football team, at least in the defensive side, going to be the front seven, you think, this year, Alan? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the three linebackers, they've got three fifth-year seniors uh, that have all started before, plus they've got a fourth linebacker that, that started all of last year in Fleming Brightwell. So I think that amount of experience in the linebacker position goes a long way when you look at what a lot of college offenses are trying to do with the spread offenses and the RPO. A lot of those things put pressure on linebackers to make decisions. They have to decide uh, who to cover, which way to read uh, the play, and I think having experience at that position goes an awful long way. And then, you know, I think they've got a pretty deep defensive line. I'm not sure they have uh, many you know, all-conference types, with, with the one big exception to me of Rashad Weaver, who's a big guy out of Pittsburgh Central Catholic who I think really has the potential to be a star. He had a kind of a, 
a breakout season last year in a lot of ways, but the defensive line needs to be a four-man unit. One guy can't have a big season all by himself. So uh, we'll see. They've got good depth. Um, the secondary, I think, is still a question mark. They've got uh, some battles that still seem to be ongoing. They've got some guys that are really building into some roles for the first time in their career, but there's a lot of talent back there. They have you know, just as many four-star kids back there as they do anywhere else on the roster. So, uh, you know, I think every team feels good about themselves at this point in the season, but I think Pitt's defense is in a position to be the best it's been under Pat Narduzzi. If you had to put a win total on this year without the bowl game, let's go Let's go 12 games, or without the ACC championship game, if you're so inclined, what do you think they're going to be able to do this year? I, I think seven. And um, I don't think that sounds like a bold prediction, but this is a tough schedule. Yes. It's going to take a pretty good year to get to seven wins. And I think if they go seven and five uh, with the schedule they have, I'd, I'd, I'd like their chances to get an eighth win in a bowl game at that point. Well, let me ask you this because it's been a topic of discussion on today's show. Do you think Pitt should schedule a little bit easier? I know that the idea is bring more people in and then you've got the better strength of schedule and it should help your team as the year goes on if you've played good opponents uh, how to play other good opponents but if i were Pitt, i think i'd try to schedule a little bit lighter knowing the strength now of the acc try to rack up some wins and see if you can maybe rile up the fan base that way maybe inflate the record just a little bit i think there's two different kinds of games right i mean they've got penn state this year and next they've got a series with west virginia coming up uh, they've got Notre Dame, which they actually don't get a say in uh, right. as part of the deal with the ACC. But those games are games that their fan base really wants to see. Yes. They want to see those teams far more than every single team in the ACC. So those games need to be on the schedule as much as they can. The ones to me that look questionable are playing Oklahoma State the last two years. Yeah, I don't think Oklahoma State is a game that anybody was looking at as uh, some sort of must-have ticket, and tickets... You know, you beat badly, you know, beat soundly one year and then blown out the next. Uh, to me, that's, that's a lose-lose. Uh, now, you know, they end up with Central Florida on their schedule. They were at one win the year they scheduled this game. <laughs> that's true. Un- that's a great point. Unbeaten season. So I don't think they were trying necessarily uh, to schedule up in that. I think that was just a weird coincidence. But, yeah, I, to me, I think just a high-level game that aren't, going to be games that the fan base really connects with those to me don't seem to have any value for Pitt. what do you make of penn state scheduling the home and home with temple at the uh, end of my probably life well i think it just makes it pretty clear that penn state doesn't really have any interest in in playing Pitt, and they've now gone out of their way to play every team and that's even remotely close to them that's not Pitt, including to the length of scheduling a home and home with a group of five team so, uh, you know, it just pretty much says they're not interested in having a rivalry with Pitt or even playing Pitt even remotely. And uh, I think that sucks. I think that's one of the great things about college football is those rivalry games. And uh, I think we're worse off, you know, without them. You know, a lot of the, what college football has gone to is there's, uh, you know, everything is conference-oriented. There's all this TV money flowing in. But, you know, I think we can see the TV landscape already shifting in this country i don't think that those huge paydays from those tv networks are necessarily something schools should be banking on 15 20 years from now 
So I don't know. I don't know where things are headed, but I don't personally like it. As a neutral observer who just loves college football more than anything other than his wife, I hate that it's not going to be renewed. I hate it. Two years ago, that game at Heinz Field, the atmosphere was fabulous. I've never seen more pit flags around the area. I mean, this town was as excited about pit football as it's been in a long time to beat the snot out of Penn State. And even last year, going to Happy Valley, Pitt fans were still jazzed up. I think it just does so much for a fan base if you are if you're Pitt. I guess Penn State doesn't need it. They've got Ohio State. They've got those teams that they've been in conference with for a long time. But I mean, I'll tell you what. I miss Pitt, West Virginia. I miss West Virginia, Penn State, and I'm looking forward to those games being scheduled too. It's 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 part of the soul, I think, of college football being taken away. Honestly, yeah, it's what made college football sort of great in the first place. Uh, and that's what it was built on is those games that it doesn't matter if, if your team's having a bad year or the end goal isn't, isn't made. If you can ruin your, your rival season, that's almost just as yes. good. And, and that's what that, that was sort of like a, you know, you can go one and 11, but if you win that one game, there's something you could take away from that season and say, well, all right, at least we got them. Or you can yeah, go five and seven in two thousand and seven, and ah, you know what? I'm not going to go there. Uh, <laughs> Alan, really appreciate the time. Uh, give your mother a hug for me, and hopefully we get a chance to talk down the road about some pit athletics. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, man. There he goes. That is Alan Saunders, PittsburghSportsNow.com. Uh, he's really knowledgeable when it comes to pit. I understand why Penn State doesn't want to do it. I understand why Pitt wants to do it. Uh, let's put that aside for a second. Rivalries are what makes college football. They are. And as much as I love watching Oklahoma come to town in Morgantown, it's awesome. As much as I love seeing Texas come to town, that burnt orange, that's great and all, but it ain't Pitt. Pitt comes into Morgantown and the hate spews. The hate flows. The couches burn, but not for happiness. They burn because there are corpses of Pitt fans stashed within them. All right, maybe that's a little too far. Rivalries make college football, and Pitt and Penn State not playing. While I get it from Penn State's perspective, it's still a crime to the soul, a mortal sin in college ball. Coming up next, we'll get to that a little bit deeper. And Josh Dobbs ain't going to be a stealer in two days. It's the Crowley Show.